0: So be aware of the servant leadership trap. I know there's a huge term, be a good servant leader and all of that, but I want you to be aware of the trap of the thing that really actually winds up making you, um, I don't know, not a worse leader, but definitely a more frazzled leader, a more anxiety level leader is there's a trap of... People taking advantage of you and not really understanding what does servant leadership really mean can really derail what you're trying to accomplish. So we're going to get into all that right now. You found the Leadership Lifestyle Podcast, where we talk about all things leadership because leadership isn't just what you do, it's who you are. So we help to make you a better leader, help keep your sanity, and make your team better so you make more money. So every week we talk about a different topic that helps you do all those things. So hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode. Tell all your colleagues and friends, and let's get a discussion going on how we can grow together as better leaders. Welcome back to Leadership Lifestyle Podcast from across America and around the world. So good to be back with you. And I wanted to talk to you about servant leadership. I had a really great discussion with somebody the other day about this topic. And is it the right way to approach it, the wrong way to approach it? Because here's what's interesting is there's so many um, competing ideas and, and questions and even surveys that I've read that says people who really aren't great leaders still get ahead in the organization. You know, their IQ is not really that good and all that kind of stuff, or their EQ rather is not that good. But because they get results, they kind of overlook what how, how they manage. In other words, if they're really putting the numbers up, unless it's like really, really bad, like really bad sexual harassment or really toxic environment, companies will tend to overlook that. In a lot of cases, they still will, sadly. So the whole question comes up is, well is servant leadership really the way to go and and does it really get you better results and does it help your career and i think if you don't fall into the trap then it can if you don't fall into the the misunderstanding of well i'm just really good with people but the results aren't there that you're you're so good with people that you're actually afraid to hurt some feelings and not get things accomplished or not make that the, the first and foremost thing that, hey, guys, no matter how we work, we have to accomplish things. And and this creates a trap in leadership that really can kind of hurt your brand as a leader that you're not focused on the right things. So I see both sides of this coin. So I wanted to have this conversation this week. So kind of a little bit of history. Servant leadership term was coined by Robert Greenfield way back in 1970. And you think about how leadership really was back then, or even in the eighties or nineties, it was not really servant leadership. It was kind of new. Or you think about uh, Ken Blanchard who, who you know, wrote, who, who moved my cheese and a number of other things, situational leadership, all that kind of stuff. Gung Ho is one of my favorites. Um, he was big on this, him, him, him and Robert Hersey. And it, it's proven to be way more effective, but what you can't ignore is that results-driven things are always gonna supersede how good you are, nice you are, how much you influence people, how you make them think. So you can't be confused by it. But what I see more and more is that people take the servant leadership part to the the other end of the spectrum to where basically they become a doormat. They, They put it out there that they're going to take care of everything for you. And I think we all can agree, The more you do at work, the more they're going to give you. Now, there's a balance there, obviously, of what you want to be an effective person. You want to be known as somebody who can provide value and get things done. But you also don't want to be a doormat either. And I think that overall, absolutely servant leadership is the way to go in order to really get your team where it needs to be. But if you're not handling it right, or or you're really kind of confused on what's important or what you should be focused on, it really can backfire on you. And again, make you feel overworked and underappreciated and overwhelmed and all of those things. So I want to discuss a few things that really can hamper Uh, your your servant leadership style. So when you think about some, some things that can go wrong, so think about the risk of exploitation because servant leaders, they prioritize the needs of their team members and they can be taken advantage of because people see it as a weakness. So it really depends on what you're providing to the team. And I know there's a lot of discussion of removing that word servant leader. And a lot of people have talked about that, but it's really one of the best swords you can put on there. That you're you're providing what that person really needs to prosper. But one of the biggest things is you can be exploited for that, and 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 in an ironic sense, the shift can be blamed back to you when somebody says, "Well, you didn't you didn't give me what I needed to succeed and all that." So that's one thing. And another thing is the perception of weakness. A lot of people perceive a servant leader you know, your focus on service as a lack of traditional authority or strength, when you just don't come in barking orders, say, do this, do that. People look at that as weakness. And again, it's like, if you don't have the underlying understanding of what people should be doing and how they should be doing it and what your role is and what their role is, then it can be easily perceived as weakness. So for example, if you think about, we all work here. We just have different responsibilities. So when you, you think about like a super formal environment of uh, the, the manager is called Mr. Whatever his name is, Mr. Smith, rather than Rick. Or, or you think about who can speak in a meeting or, or things like that. And it's like, no, 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 we're all on the same team. We just have different responsibilities. And a lot of times I can get really screwed up and mixed around. You can create a difficulty in scaling. You know the, the intensive one-on-one time servant leadership requires can be difficult to maintain. Team the team as it, as the organization grows, and that's one of the things I, I do with this podcast. With when when I'm when I'm coaching other leaders, is there's three areas of leadership you should always be working on. Yes, one on one mentoring is key, but there's also things the team needs together and you need to develop yourself. And a lot of times you kind of lose yourself in that because you're so focused on that. Or how many times have you seen that one person on the team is so difficult and all of that, and they get so much attention that nobody else does, or people are doing great things and they don't get recognized for it. And like kind of what I mentioned earlier, it's like, oh, well, that person does great things. Well, they always do. And you just kind of expect it rather than appreciate it. You just, like I said, the more work you do, the more work you'll be given. And you got to find that balance. But certainly if there's nobody appreciating it, there's nobody talking to you about it. There's nobody recognizing you for it. Why should you do it? And you can really get wrapped up in that one person that really makes everything else difficult. And you got to protect yourself from that. Talk about decision-making delays you know, the collaborative approach favored by certain servant leaders, like you want input from everybody in in making a decision to make sure everybody feels included and everybody's got a part of it. And I do talk about that in what it really means for a team to win. Like, does every member on the team know their role? And certainly there's a place for that. There's absolutely a place for that when you're brainstorming, when you're creating something. But on an execution level, this is where it gets screwed up, is when you're actually executing, you can't have collaboration and get input from everybody while you're trying to execute. So think about when the fire department shows up to a house fire. Everybody knows exactly what to do and they got to do it. And the direction they get is very direct. And, And you can imagine... The house is burning and you're the whole group of firefighters stand by the truck talking about, well, maybe we should try this or maybe we should try. You know, that's not going to work. But you think about that in your business when you're when you're actually executing, not creating, not thinking about something, not developing a product. But it's, hey, it's time to execute. It's time to sell. It's time to whatever it is you do. That is not the time for collaboration or you think about going to some big sales meeting with a couple of members of your sales team you got a big client in front of you, that is not the time to start brainstorming. Well, maybe we should do this. Remember, you should already know what's going to happen at that point. So it can really hurt with decision-making delays if you don't know when as a servant leader you want collaboration and when it's time to execute. Balancing servitude and leadership. Finding the right balance between serving and leading can be difficult. So, you know, too much emphasis can be led to a lack of direction while well, too much leading can kind of betray the servant leadership model in a sense when you think about micromanaging and again you know earlier i mentioned ken blanchard who uh, you know created situational leadership and that really revolves around if you haven't read it you really should but it really revolves around your leadership style matching to where that person is at and that's kind of the balance like who does need micromanaging and who just needs delegation and affirmation. That's what you got to figure out. And this is a place where a lot of servant leaders really screw up. You think about, you know, helicopter parents always saving the kid from a problem rather than, hey, sometimes you just screw up. Sometimes you just lose. Not that you want your kid to lose, but you can't save them from everything because then they think that they're always going to be saved and there's never going to be accountability. So that's the balance you really have to fight. Another thing is burnout. Servant leaders may overcommit to serving others and neglect their own needs. You can't really serve other people if you are not good. If you are constantly running around trying to do everything, save everybody or serve everybody, if you will. There's there's a, a level of that, but you cannot do everything. And this is the quickest way to burnout when you, you you're so worried about Hurting someone's feelings for actually holding them accountable to what they agreed with you in the first place they would actually do. I mean, it sounds a little crazy, but that's kind of what it comes down to when you think about it that you guys agreed earlier, like when you hired them or you trained them or you promoted them or whatever, there was an agreement made at some point of who was going to do what, who was going to be responsible for what. But now, You're trying to do so many things as a servant leader for them that you're burning out, and they're actually blaming you for not helping them. It's kind of crazy, but that's going to happen. Inconsistent application. If the servant leader approach is not applied consistently across all levels of the organization, it really confuses everybody. And this is typically when you work, certainly if you work in a large company. And you have multiple departments, multiple divisions, things like that. And you get that one-off manager that, that is doing it right. And then a lot of the rest of the company is not that way. It really can confuse people. You literally think about, man, my career would be different if I was just in this other department. It sounds crazy, but it happens all the time. And the thing is, you can only control with what your influence allows you to. So in other words, if you're a department manager, if you are a divisional manager, You can't control the whole company. You can only control what's in your purview, what what you can actually influence. So maybe you can't save the whole company, but certainly you can take care of your own business unit. And that might send mixed messages along the way, but maybe trying to recognize some of that and acknowledging some of that can really help your team. But again, this is where a lot of people feel like, They don't understand that you still have to provide results for the company or for your own company. If you're a small company on your own company, this can't overshadow that. So like it brings up a misinterpretation of service. Some may misunderstand the actual concept of service as mere people pleasing. This is where you really get into trouble when you can lead uh, a bunch of people but have a lack of real constructive feedback or necessary conflict. And that is that is so true. A lot of people, necessary conflict. We don't want that. You do want that. You want your people to really be, if everybody agreed with everybody, I want to say, I think it was a George S. Patton who said, if everybody's thinking the same thing, somebody's not thinking. And this kind of falls into that. If it's just people, I had a, a manager I worked with. I, I literally watch him like wear himself out trying to please everybody and be the mediator and calm everybody down and promise this and promise that. And it was just so exhausting watching. I'm, I'm even like, how can you remember all the things you said or you promised to people? It's like, just set some boundaries, and have some accountability and be done with it. And had people come to that, not the other way around, but holy cow, did, did he really wear himself out doing that kind of thing? And another thing, measuring performance, the servant leadership model can make it a lot more challenging to actually measure performance and hold team members accountable. Because if, again, if you really are doing the people-pleasing thing or trying to just make people feel better, the results aren't there. That could be. But the other thing too is, is do the people even really know what they should be doing every day, day in and day out, daily decisions and behaviors, do they know what those are? And you're afraid to say them, at least particularly if somebody's not actually doing them, that you know, I really need this person to be doing these things, but you never say anything because you want to be a good servant leader and not hurt their feelings, but then the performance isn't there. And then you get into this battle of what actually is happening and then what actually uh, you you feel like is happening? And I've seen a lot of managers give me evaluations to approve on somebody, and I'll hear that argument. Yeah, but they they're really great at this, or they're really understanding, or they communicate well, or whatever. But then it's like, okay, but are they actually getting the results in the role that they're in? It really has to come to that, whether you're a servant leader or not that can't overshadow that. And I think a lot of people really try to use that as an excuse to feel better and not worry so much on the results. And that's really not going to get your team to move forward. And then there's cultural misalignment. You know, In some corp- corporate cultures, especially those that are highly competitive or they're hierarchical or Servant leadership really clashes a lot with established norms and expectations. In other words, you think about generational uh leadership or generational workforces of how people were brought up in different eras and how they think and things like that, that you're really going to have a clash. And you're thinking to yourself, well, as a servant leader, how can I, if I've got somebody like that, how can I be who I want to be, knowing Like that's not how my boss is or that my boss's boss who has influence over that. Do I really want to clash? And of course you don't, but how do you do that? Well, again, you kind of have to remember results have to come first. You have to find a way to get things done. So you can't use it as an excuse. It's just a different way of how you do it and things like that. So let me give you five things that you can really zero in on to, to if you're going to go down the road of servant leadership, and I hope you do because you really do have to set the environment so your team can really flourish so they can win. And, you know, you always hear the short-term gain, long-term pain when you are way over the top and being directive that your people, they, they leave a lot, your turnover is high. And so, Using servant leadership has great purpose as long as it's done in the right way. So when you think about servant leadership as a philosophy, it really focuses on the needs of the team, the organization, or or the community, depending on what you do, before your own. And, and I've said this a lot of leadership's not really about you, but later it will be about you. Because what you're really doing is, is creating an environment to where your team can really grow to where at some point somebody looks around and says, hey, who's in charge of this group that's running so well? Like that, you, that becomes your calling card. When you make that shift from I execute on specific things only to now I'm leading a team, that's the shift you have to make is I've got to make them awesome in order for me to look good as a team because my team's performance becomes my calling card. That's the shift you have to make. So the first thing you want to be able to do, empower and develop people. A servant leader focuses on the growth and well-being of all their team members. I think we can all agree on that. But you got to invest time and understanding in their personal and professional goals. Again, getting back to that situational leadership thing. And this is very hard because this is something you don't see in a line item on a profit and loss statement that, hey, if I do X, I get Y. You don't see that immediately. This is this is long-term investing for where you're going to go. So you have to understand that. So providing opportunities for learning and development, offering mentorship and pairing people with the right other people to help them grow and develop, those are things you have to really invest in so you can get a balance um, of the right. Um, influences on them and let them do what they want to do. And incidentally, also, this kind of really helps people when you talk about, you know, I hate using the word balance when we talk about work-life balance because it never is balanced, but it does help them personally because the more effective you can make them at work, like most people really aren't two different people. They're kind of the same no matter what they're doing, but it can really help them in their personal life too. Next thing you you got to focus on is active listening. And what this really means is you're really listening to understand. And I think Simon Sinek says this all the time. To listen to understand, not to respond. Because a lot of times when we're talking to people, we can't wait to just interrupt them and say, well, yeah, but what about this? Or you're not thinking of it. So really trying to get to what they're, what they're thinking. So they, Because people want to feel like they're being heard. They want to feel heard. And if you can make them feel heard, you're going to do fine. But you're going to have a better two-way communication because it's got to work the other way as well. When you are really protecting your team's culture and doing those kinds of things and, and, and having some accountability for their own responsibilities, that's got to happen. So, you know, servant leader, can, you can really make better informed decisions when you really get the truth out of people. But if if they feel like you're Fake listening, they don't really give you the information you need um, to 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 do better by the team and think about ethical and thoughtful decision making a servant leader you gotta you gotta make decisions that align with the culture you set the The culture can't be a poster on the wall it it has to really be does this help what we agreed to do when you think about you know, a fancy way of putting it, it should consider the impact of their decisions on all stakeholders and strive for fairness and equality. You know, it sounds like a little bit of corporate speak there, but but really when you think about it, like I talked about earlier, we all work here. We just have different responsibilities. The same type of things should be okay to affect any team member at any level. Like it can't be good just for the executive team, but not the frontline coworkers. That doesn't make any sense so when you're when you're thinking about decision making does it really support the culture you guys set again even if you only influence your own department or your own business unit does it make sense for everybody on that team and another investment you want to make is building a community uh, a strong sense of community in the workplace can really lead to a more supportive environment so again when you're constantly protecting the boundaries of that culture of how you guys interact again you can have that healthy conflict you can really be open and honest all that kind of stuff that's what's really building your community so everybody understands that another thing with building the community is have you really described what winning is all about for your team again you have to execute you have to achieve things doing nice things for people alone isn't really running a company. You have to achieve things. And and people, You know, the old saying used to be people who feel good about themselves perform better, but it's really the other way around. It's people who feel good about what they're doing uh, feel better about themselves. And as a servant leader, you have to spell that out. In other words, you have to describe the winning. You have to let them know on a regular basis that they are winning, or maybe they're not, and they need to change some things, but they shouldn't have to look very hard to figure out if the team is winning or not. But the third piece is what they do day in and day out, daily behaviors and decisions contribute to that winning. In other words, they're part of the team. They, they, they help create that. They understand what their role is because that's where you're going to have your accountability. That's where you're going to have responsibilities that you can hold them accountable to and not worry about, oh, I'm going to hurt their feelings because you're not Talking to that person. In other words, Bill, I don't like the way you work. You really talk about the behavior. Hey, Bill, we agreed we would work this way. And when this happens, this is how people feel, or this is how you perform when you're not focused on this. Like you talk about the behavior, not the person. So, the fifth thing and the most important thing for a servant leader, you have to set boundaries. Your role as a servant is not to get people whatever they want. You're there to serve, to provide the right conditions for great people to work at their best level. Like when you think about how do you motivate your team? You you really can't. If they don't want to be motivated, they're not going to be. Now, certainly you could unmotivate them, but both of those things revolve around what environment are you setting? And it's not just a great workplace, like a refrigerator full of drinks and a foosball table. It's, it's, again, do they understand winning? Do they know they're winning? Are they appreciated? Are they recognized? Do they know what they should really be doing? In other words, are you really paying your people to guess what to do? Or do they actually know what to do so they can feel accomplished? You have to protect that. That's your job as a servant leader to really spell all those things out so your team can can really prosper and grow. So you must protect the culture of your company. This is the thing that really shuts teams down is they see that one person not having to live by the rules, so to speak, and can kind of do whatever they want and there's no accountability. And they're like, why should I? You have to protect that. Whatever you have influence over, It's not your job to do their job. You are not helping people grow by not challenging them, by not holding them accountable to their own responsibilities. That is what a servant leader does. Sets the right conditions, clearly communicates the expectations, and then you're there for them when they need it. And you're there for them when they're not adhering to those things so they understand That no matter what happens, yes, we're going to achieve results and yes, we're going to work together in a certain way and you're going to protect that. And when you can do that, that's when people gravitate toward what you want and you're not running around just trying to please people all the time because that never works. So what did we learn today? How did you grow just a little bit? Or more importantly, how can you help someone else grow? That's the whole point of Leadership Lifestyle Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Again, hit that subscribe button. Tell all your colleagues and friends and neighbors all about the show. Give us comments, feedback, things like that. We will grow together and we will see you next week on the Leadership Lifestyle Podcast.